So we have a <clears throat> just some just the sh- just some names actually. Some are just names. Guy Schiller, Eddie Rebsman. So you know, the sounds for Esme. In remembrance of my wife of 50 years, Marilyn McNeil, she refused to live in fear. My mother, may she open her heart before she will pass away. My husband Larry, who died October 21st, 2009, may he be free. For all those who struggle with alcoholism or drug addiction. For my mother Vivian, a woman who could speak everybody's personal language. Mama, I'm still listening. I love you. You're a little girl. My precious younger sister Jinju. May she be truly happy. dedication to my late father Lloyd and my late mother Winifred who in the face of great adversity created lives of purpose, meaning devotion and beauty I want to dedicate the merit this merit to all the broken hearted of the world Dedication for the healing, forgiveness, reconciliation. For Jasmine and Lena Griffin and their father Gerald Griffin. May they find the Dhamma. In remembrance of Dennis Ashburn, whose life was tragically cut short by medical error. Died May 2010. My wife's mother, Dorothy, who passed away Sunday, June 13th, surrounded with love. Mary, a.k.i., move toward the light and find freedom and balance. And may the scars of trauma fade away towards openness and joy. In memory of Barry Kondanyo Kapke, a dedicated member of the community of Abayagiri lay ministers. For Ruth, may she be free from active alcoholism and may she be truly alive and free. May Johnny, my brother, be free of mental suffering from bipolar and may he choose not to drive cars. For Judy Max, beloved friend and mother of 16-year-old Sophie, who crossed over on Tuesday morning. 
services are held this very morning at a temple in San Francisco. Thank you.
Tammo patiganatu vachayantam kanantare sangvaritum vadhammi. Andamayam sanganu satinayam romasi.
namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa udang dhammang sangang namasami Let's check out the volumes, Marianne. Can you hear me? So we come to the, the uh, towards the end of this time together. So just having that feeling in mind for all of us. Yeah. Transition, and then there's sense of moving from this to something else, moving out of this to something else. And how do we how do we do that? And how is that going to happen? This is, uh, you know, when you really begin to get a very deep tissue feeling of, of, a, of what occurs on a retreat, a group practice like this, when we're held within a particular boundary, it's safe, safe boundary. Uh, food is provided. Soothing noises are made. <laughs> what does this remind you of? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you've done this before. <laughs> There's that feeling of the push towards birth, towards moving from this little womb, cocoon, moving out, and uh, right, you can rightly feel a sense of trepidation about that. But there's also a potency in it, like, well, you know, well, let's get out. Let's, hmm, how's this going to work? Can I take this thing out on the road? <laughs> Crash, you know. <laughs> and, you know, by and large, we kind of, that's the way it goes, isn't it? You learn, like getting born, you get out and you crash around and, you, you know, uh, but at one level, there's some sense of we, we do carry um, this 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 potency. This this we have the capacity. We've done this before many times. We've been born. We've moved through school. We've graduated. We've moved through relationships. We've moved from house to house. And every one of these is that potency, the trepidation, maybe the trembling, maybe moving past, maybe some sense of sorrow or regret and then moving on. You know, we, we do it all the time. Um, and then, uh, you know, sort of trying to take something with us. Now, you, what do you, to, to bear in mind that consciousness does not transmigrate. Consciousness does not move from one life to the next. <laughs> or even from one one minute to the next actually yeah. 
So, so this particular being in this will not stay with you. This particular being in this will not stay with you very obviously. And all those kind, all the, the qualities of being in this will not be the same. You know, the particular things that are very strong will not be there. The very things that, you know, other things will come in. Sense impingement, different kind of perspectives, other things will come in. Consciousness does not transmigrate. But there is a furthering on, which is the sankhara. That does, that does keep going. The current, you might say, like a, the current, the welling up, the current that keeps establishing consciousness. And this sankhara uh, is, if you like, the, the different intelligences to the degree to which they're intelligent or confused or traumatized or, you know, but, but they are, there's basically a basic health in there rather like a stream of water that may have all kinds of junk floating around in it, but basically there's still a good stream of water and it can be purified. And so what can stay with us, what we can take is the sense of the purity. Purity may be perhaps too stiff a word, but a sense of cleanliness or healthiness or centeredness or you know assurance. A sense of that can can keep establishing, re-establishing us from moment to moment, and it won't necessarily be intellectual clarity, but it will be somewhere in the holistic sense. You know that uh, I can. You can be with this. You can. You know, this is what equanimity is about. It's an understanding of our essential health and moving into areas that uh, you know, are difficult, challenging. So people ask about integration. How do you integrate this into, into daily life in the world? And if you like the, you know, the rather blunt short answer is, well, how do you integrate into disintegration? How do you integrate into something that actually isn't integrated into a world of, of uh, contrast and conflicts and disconnection and, and contradictory currents and where, where a lot of the energies are really about losing yourself, either ignoring yourself, disconnecting, getting uh, unbalanced, getting consumer, a lot of consumer ideology, a lot of... Uh, performance push a lot of got to get to's then various messages of who we should be averse to who we should blame this particular month (laughs) blame of the month will be on (laughs) some person or some country or somebody or the other (laughs) Uh, will be seen as a threat to your way of life (laughs) You know, all this stuff. So, you know, first we have to, you know, to, to keep our, our sanity and our balance. There is some, certainly some sense of uh, boundaries, restraint, filtering, you know, how much you participate, how much 
how you can manage to be yourself or you have that center still traveling through this this rather confused and at times toxic uh, atmosphere mm. we need to establish our own center so I think one of the fun- fundamental things is you know, the holistic sense is, is, is there, you know. Well, it's always there, but we don't necessarily do the work of checking in with it. We, we, sh- we short sell ourselves or we short, we take, we, you know, we give ourselves a short deal on that. We have an idea, a phrase or a, you know, to really take the time you've got to check in with it it will certainly guide you but you have to check in with it you have to you know that coming into the fullness of your body your heart and your clarity and that means you know I think as you, obviously we've got to spend some time every day doing that and one thing one can establish on retreat in this particular field in this particular Situation is that resolution. You start to make resolution, resolution, resolution. Or aditana, determining, resolution, committing. And the thing about resolution is that you've got to make, make that, promise it to yourself for your own welfare rather than you've got to do it in order to, to avoid the sense of shame or keeping up with the group or not being a very good Dharma practitioner. You know, it's not it's not an outward thing. It's not like you're doing it so you can hold it hold your head up in the group <laughs> or whatever it is, so that you don't beat yourself up for being lazy or indolent. But it's really much it's gotta come from a, a welling up of the of a kind of uh, you know a love for your own your own, there's something precious here that's worth looking after. It's not something you have to do so much, but you have to spend the time because it, it's a value. There's something very valuable here in 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 you. There is wisdom in you. There is clarity. There is sanity. There is be- many beautiful things there, and it's worth looking after. When I look at these uh, continual lists of aspirations and blessings and wishes you know it's very poignant the tremendous push of the current for for well-wishing and for expressing gratitude and uh, forgiveness and healing you know huge push of that comes up you know we haven't been able to really tap it completely it's all there you know there's so much of it there and this tremendous need that human beings have to, to express their lovingness. And remember, it's always to others as to myself. If, in a holistic sense, if, if any part of that is missing out, something's going wrong, something's not completely balanced. It can be that sense of valuing, precious quality, Realizing the preciousness of your own, your own clarity, your own aspirations, 
you wrote, those, the, those values and virtues are very important. Because if there isn't that, then you, you're not building up, you're not sustaining the resource. You're not tapping into your strength. And it's a particular strength that only comes from holistic body, mind, heart, unification. We have to spend time doing that. That's, that's it. <laughs> you know? And it's not about, you know, I mean, sitting practice is, is, yeah, that's part of it. But remember to make sure it's the quality of the awareness, you know, that's important. Not just to look at it externally, but certainly uh, a sitting meditation practice will be a, a good chance of getting, you know, being with that, finding that, mm-hmm. aspirations. I remember with, with Aditana's resolutions, the important thing is to set that, that intent, as I said, where we begin in beginning, beginning the retreat, the fundamental thing to set up is intent. Intent. Intent is now. And you put that there in that sankara, in that ongoing stream of, of, of conscious, you know, what gives rise to consciousness. That ongoing stream of, of mind, you might say. You put that one in there. And with that, you've got to remember it doesn't matter if you fail. It's not you've got to be perfect. You've got to get it right every time. But you must keep believing that's possible. You must keep in touch with that. You know, I, I didn't do it. Oh, that's interesting. What's going on there? Not just, you know, going into dismissing it or blame, but, you know, got to, got to keep remembering that's, that's possible for you. We can't be sane all the time. But it's nice to know it's there now and then, isn't it? (laughs) This is what it must be like to be sane. Wow. I can do it, you know, I can get there. Even little old me, you know. But, you know, we do need to be pragmatic about the resource, getting the resource together. And the resource really is, is giving some quality time every day you know I feel that, that uh, you know when they've asked me that, what's the difference between teaching in America or teaching in Europe or something like that and I think one of the characteristics that seems to me you know is there's a interesting um there's a lot of idealism. There can be a lot of idealism. America's kind of founded on an ideal. And the, the, but the idealism doesn't necessarily <laughs> really embrace the pragmatism of it. You know, the, 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 you know, and how that translates, how the ideal comes down into this mixed and mingled domain. How we really can't make peace with things, how we really handle the human condition with its 
fearfulness and its acquisitiveness and its uh, violence and its all this kind of stuff. So, you know, it, the pragmatism of Dhamma practice is really the time to actually know this, this you know, how this system actually is, what it, what it needs. We can't just be idealistic about it. Your idealistic tends to be that not even either denying we're living up to the ideals or, um, you know, or feeling we've failed all the time. So the idea, the intent is there, then you actually, what are you, what are you, how, what are you living with in this particular system? Uh, it's interesting, that's the thing I feel, is that coming into the States, you know, you have to fill in a little card, a visa thing, visa waiver, and it says, have you ever been a Nazi? And you say, no, You're genocide, no, you know, do you intend terrorism, no. Carrying bombs, no. <laughs> Expecting he wouldn't tell a lie, of course. This is kind of curious. I think it's so wonderful. How curious. You don't get that anywhere else, nowhere else. You know, they realize if you're one of these, you're not going to tell the truth anyway. So you don't get this thing. There's a sort of idealistic sense of it. And the, the really funny one is, is, I always find so funny, is have you ever involved in an act of moral turpitude? <laughs> I think, well, you know, that's good for <laughs> Look, and I realise, yeah, I have. <laughs> I had a naughty thought the other day. And And it's really, you know, right up there on the ideal level. And then, you know, you think you're coming into some kind of a Calvinist uh, state. Because <laughs> it's a strange kind of, um, you know, dualism to it. Because you think, well, actually, you know, may- maybe, you know, when you consider the you know the crimes of of the of the state, the crimes of the state, you know, genocide, slavery. <laughs> you know, maybe more acts of moral turpitude are what are required. <laughs> I mean, in Britain they don't ask, you know, because <laughs> they know, you know, we're all sinners, we're all grubby, you know, so that we don't have to look too closely at the, the crimes of the state because <laughs> it's obvious. <laughs> There's no, no, no sense of, um, you know, not very idealistic, which isn't necessarily a, a good thing either, you know. But how do, how do we get on, you know? We come out of retreat, do we feel we're going to, you know, clean up San Francisco, spread meta to all beings, you know? How far can it go? And the, the, you know, in a way, the intent is beautiful, 
But it has to be the intent has to keep within the intent realm. You know, this is the intent. And then it's most likely to stay there. You know, it's like to keep going. Because if your intent is dependent upon it actually being realized, then there's this feeling of frustration, righteousness, blaming, blaming yourself, blaming others, not good enough. And then, you know, that's, that's the problem with it. But you keep the intent. This is the intent. Actually, how much can you really expand? How much can you extend? Yeah. And you've got to, first of all, you've got to get the center right. You've got to realize what to do anything for yourself or for others. You've got to keep, the, you know, the, the, keep feeding. Keep feeding yourself. This is the baby needs food. We all need food. We continue to need it. You know, meditation uh, is helpful for that. Centering. Also, just to, as I've said before, fundamentally, in many ways, our experience is relational, though we don't always really see it that way, you know, how I relate to my body. Uh, so we're not using the body like a, a thing. How do I relate to the body? How do I relate to being embodied? Uh, how do I relate to the particular patterning, karma that I'm carrying? You know, my impulsiveness or my depression or my anxieties or my whatever it is, consumer appetites. How do I get a wise handle on that? And and then, if you like, also so to oneself, to others, there are, if you like, four fundamental relational fields, you might say, domains. And one is to yourself, and this is very important. To, not to your theoretical self, <laughs> but to the, the actuality. So as, as you've been going through the interviews, you, you, in a way, every time you have an interview, you present one sketch, one part of the outline uh, of who this being is. Not the, theor- not the theory, not what people call it, but an in a you know, personal profile. And you start to hear your own voice say a few things. And I think that's uh, very helpful for, to have that occasion when, when it makes sense or not, whether it makes a complete profile. You, you, you say this thing and you hear the tonalities of that. You hear the vigor or the agitation or the whatever it is. This is who, this is who she is. This is, this is who she is. This is how he is. So re- being realistic. And uh, then what is needed to support that? We need, generally need moral, moral guidelines, moral standards, moral things where we can feel we are not, we, we can respect ourselves, we can feel a sense of dignity that's precious. We have a sense there's something here that could be damaged uh, and soiled. Let me keep it undamaged. So it's like this. So you, you, you get, and it's important to get the moral sense from that perspective. I think because a lot of the time we get sort of, sort of top down morality, which is much more the finger pointing, thou shalt, thou shalt not. It's a federal offence kind of thing. You know, there's lots of that around, violations, federal offences, this sort of thing. So basically the moral sense is 
you know, you're going to get punished if you don't do this. And, you know, that, that's a bit, that's a hard way to learn because then your morality is, is tinged with fear and with a feeling that you're basically seen as, as, as a menace <laughs> who has to be curbed and guarded and held back, you know. And, yeah, you know, what, 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 how does that inspire you? Uh, but if we really recognize we are, we're an effective, responsive experience, this is kind of our, our core, being effective and responsive, how do I, you know, realize I have to live with the effects of how I've responded? And how I respond will immediately create effects in my mind. So just using the wisdom faculty, look at long-term results. Not the short-term ones, but the long-term results, and then learning from that non-abuse, essentially. So that, uh, you know, over time means you, you can sit with yourself, you can be still, you can look inwardly, and you, realize you really see something precious and useful here. So the sense of morality is really for happiness, not for not getting punished, but for happiness. Buddha said this is a vehicle for uh, happiness, for richness, and for freedom. So we get, you know, this is this is actually offering to support you, rather than, you know, chain you or repress you. And we look around at that, and obviously the five moral precepts are good, reasonable standard. You know, we look at refraining from killing, intentionally taking life, stealing, taking things which aren't given, and uh, sexual abuse, and uh, harsh speech, wrong speech, and intoxication. These are sort of and you know you stay with that, and you also recognise you're doing it. And it doesn't have to be absolutely excellent. Notice that the emphasis on that is not how wonderful you've been, but actually what you haven't done. <laughs> and Buddha is very pragmatic. It's not have you, you know, saved a thousand people's lives today, but which of course would be great. But we can't always do that. What we can do is I can stop killing someone. You know, I wanted to, you know. So it doesn't say you can't have an evil thought. It says, you, you know, you can have an evil thought, but you can't act upon it. And that's a very, uh, so there's a very pragmatic boundary. It's not saying you have to be pure. It's saying that for your own welfare, understand the impure and recognize it's not to be followed. And there's an interesting uh, uh, sutta where, where someone, two, two People are talking. One is a disciple of the Buddha. One is another, somebody else. And the, the other person says, as far as he understands it, a noble person is someone who has no evil thoughts, uh, no evil actions, and says no evil words. He doesn't have any of this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the other, the other disciple of the Buddha says, well, let me think about that. I don't think I'll go and ask the Buddha about this one. He asked the Buddha, and the Buddha says, no. 
And he said, well, you know, if that was the case, then, then a newborn baby would be a noble person. A newborn baby doesn't have any evil thoughts, hasn't got around to it yet. Maybe, you know, he doesn't do any evil deeds and he kicks his feet a little bit. <laughs> doesn't have the evil speech because he can't talk, you know. So this is a noble, realized, enlightened being? He says, no. No, he says, a, a, a noble being is the one who knows an evil thought when it arises, knows what it feels like, knows how it passes and lets it pass. <laughs> That's pragmatism for you. And it's, it's doable. <laughs> So, you know, then we can feel... And in that, so you really witness those. You're not saying you've got to be snow white, you've got to be perfect, but there's a boundary there so that you can witness that and you can see, hey, I can do that. You know, I can't always feel loving kindness, but I can feel that frustration and anger. And there it is. mm, Do the work, this holistic work of touching it, being touched by it, Oh, letting it move through you and feeling the sense of relief as it as it slides away. And then we don't get righteous because, you know, when I look into my mind, I can totally understand why people kill each other and violate each other and sexually abuse each other and lie. I can see, yeah, that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't do those things, but I can understand the roots of them. I mean, I've never done them. I've never done anything violent in my life, physically. But I can feel that kind of, I can see how it could happen. So instead of the righteous, there's more the, wow, I'm lucky, you know. Some or another I got the grace to not be pushed into a corner where that stuff might fly out. Somebody else did, you know. No wonder, you know, somebody else did. They'd had a few drinks or something and they pushed in a corner and they did it. And, you know, wow, compassion. Wow, what a trip. You've got to live with that. Ooh. So something like that, we're not condoning, but, but you know, really understanding and feeling the blessedness of having to get through a day without really seriously blowing it. <laughs> so if we find contentment in that, and it is a vehicle for happiness, then some of that, you know, pragmatic achievement we feel a sense of contentment and then that gives our mind some place to settle down in you know it's not based upon have I been the ace at this and the best at that and the most wonderful of this and you know really made my life something great you know, that, that's good I- idealism you know but to say have I actually managed to keep the five precepts and recognise those impulses let them go chalk it up on the wall good day winner you know and then really feeling some contentment in that because just imagine if everyone just did that it's not that esoteric is it just imagine if everybody in the world did that wow (laughs) different story wouldn't it be So relationship to oneself, then also this naturally involved relationship to others. In a sense called hiriotopha, which means you have conscience for yourself. I don't want to have to live with results of that, so I don't do it. And conscientiousness for others. How we could uh, unwittingly sometimes, you know, cause distress, damage other other beings. 
And in order to really feel, you know, good about that, really good about it, not, other, you know, if I damage them, will they take, get one back at me? Fear. But a more a sense of really valuing other beings. I, I don't want to abuse you, not because I'm frightened or I might get caught, or you might bash me back, but, but because I have a sense of value for you. It's important for me that we can be together. That we that is the least occlusion as possible is happening. Then I can live more happily. I have to live with other people. So this is an important thing to get there. Relationship to the earth, you know, nature, the earth, our, 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 our home on this bodily level, and how can we, you know, stop gutting it individually and collectively and relationship to the sacred you know, we recognize we're all, all passing through we're all passing through we're all, when you start to come out or recognize your your personality structure just as what it is you know it's kind of series of programs and things then you come you see through that and you go wow why is it that, how did you get here how did this arrival happen and where is the passing on isn't this a mystery who, who this is perhaps who isn't the right question but you know, there's something very amazing about this this is we haven't found anywhere else in the universe where this experience happens and not only that, but as I was saying, I was reading out on the first night, we've had the opportunity to be, you know, reasonably uh, physically all here. And mentally, okay, a, bit, a few rough edges, but... <laughs> <laughs> and the sense faculties are here, and there's enough health to keep going. We've heard the Dhamma teachings, opportunity to practice, you know. Bless, blessing. You know, how many other people get this? So we write, you know. And these all help to, to really feel the, the value of, of, of what we have. And then we've got to keep coming back to that. That's our basic resource. It keeps helping us to feel the value of the center. The, 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 the way the center is not isolated from everything else. It's continually, the center arises in a healthy relationship with what's around. You know? Most people find, you know, when you, and your boundaries, I mean, really in terms of what you do, how you relate to others, has to be your aspiration and your, and your capacity to extend from that center without losing it. You know? Staying with that, how far can you, how much can you touch, how much can you meet without losing that balance, without getting lost in what you're touching, without getting thrown out in what you're touching. And this is, again, a very pragmatic thing that we don't know, we have to find out. Because there's a huge amount of, of push 
to disconnect from our center, to you know, be, to be driven by external forces that are not there for really for our welfare. You know, to be pulled out into events and buying things and winning things and doing things and making things and having things and going places. It's just all, you know, energy is just being dragged out. Uh, you know, and demands and, you know, all this stuff. So, and how much of that you want to be part of is, is really, I suggest, how much you feel you can, you can profitably and skillfully and truly participate in how much of that centrality of your balance and your kindness and your compassion and your sense of, of rightness, straightness, uprightness can actually measure, be out there. For many of many people, I guess there's this sense of regret over, you know, the the the, the miseries and the pangs in the world around us. And what can we do to fix it? How can we make it better? And that's, this is this is also I think a natural uh, aspiration that comes up as part of what we what we have, of what we of what what's there for us you know the aspiration body but then you know you've got to recognize the pragmatism of that is you know what can you meet sometimes it's just really difficult you know we can have all kinds of wonderful feelings and even make donations to people in Ethiopia but you can't get on with your own mother not, and you, so you feel guilty about that. But the ability to connect to people isn't entirely up to you. It's where other people want to be connected to. You know, where other people can be open to your to your dhamma, and it's, sometimes it, it doesn't always work. The Buddha himself. You know, you can think everyone was a winner, but it wasn't. Uh, you give a talk, and you know maybe one or two people would get it, and other people would just walk away, didn't get it at all, or uh, you know were negative about it. Even the people, his own disciples, you know, they weren't all. You read the suttas quite a lot of the time. The Buddha was actually dealing with the the, the uh, fractious and contentious uh, nature of his own monks. <laughs> yeah, he taught and had gone forth, and still caught up in their views, their stubbornness, their pig-headedness, their greediness, and so on. So you can imagine the Buddha could have felt, ah, oh, gee, what a fun deal, you know. <laughs> tried the best I can yeah. but it, 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 you realize that the karma is like that everybody's being in their karma and there's a chance that we can meet and when that happens it's wonderful and sometimes it, it doesn't happen 
Well, kindness and peacefulness can be very threatening to people. Because it, in a way, if you're being kind and peaceful, it it shows people how agitated and closed down they are. So, you know, so they generally, you know, you can get that sense. So, you know, it's like when you have your center, how far that will extend. It's like you, 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 know, you want like tent, making a tentative negotiation. How's that? How's that? And you see how it's going to come. So, you know, for myself, you know, wearing this, being this, in this particular form, it's like a, a, a like a walking around being a living invitation. You know? And you walk around, and like if you're in, if you're in England, like hundred people, eighty of them will walk past, didn't see you, at least, you know. I didn't see. I didn't want to know. I don't want to know what they. I don't go there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes that's just because they're. They're, they're uncertain. You know, it's not necessarily negative. They just don't know what to do. So the default mechanism is just ignore it. You know? <laughs> and then, uh, uh, you know, but then a certain percentage will actually, you know, feel some. You feel a positive feedback from, and a certain percentage of those will actually want to talk to you or, or you know, inquire or even help you. And some people want to give you a poke. You know. <laughs> Just you know, wind you up, give you a poke. Yeah. And so some of the meetings in the street are very interesting. Like that. You go out, because you go out there, because you think, okay, I'll just go out there, because that's what I can do. And the Buddha very much encouraged the monks and nuns that that was their life. You go out there, you go walking. Uh, as a sign, and then you get, it's a, like a mirror. Some people get inspired or interested, some people frightened or closed down, some people directly negative, but that's what you do. That's your, you're, you're kind of doing that. And though you're not, you know, presenting in that same way, that's, it's a good thing to remember, you know, in the way that you act, the way you speak, the things you, you know, the way you behave, that it does act as a sign, and some people will be, Hey, you're more peaceful. One, you know, you seem to manage things rather well and be interested. And some people will just, you know, be some kind of crazy mystic or the other, you know, sarcastic. And some some people won't want to know. <laughs> that, that's that's it, really. <laughs> you know, it's like that. So those 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 boundaries of what's possible. Similarly, in, your, in yourself, you know, you, you can, how much is possible in your practice and how you start to, you know, get in touch and getting in touch with difficult places. Um, you may think, I know this, I know the answer to this. I should, you know, just be mindful, be aware, that'll sort it out, get through it. Mindful awareness, that's it. You know, it's stored up in the head to do the process of that means being able to, to really touch it and handle it in the right way 
And you know, some some things are very difficult to touch. Some things are very difficult to really touch. So you've got to almost wait for it to to make itself available. So you you might see around any particular strong ex- strong experience, some tension, some violent feeling, some strong passion, some hurt place, and then around that the sense of feeling a bit uncertain about this, then around that the sense of I should try and work this out, and around that how should I try to work this out. You know, so you've got all kind of layers. You've got to meet the frustration of not being able to work, the impatience to get it cleared, the wanting to get in there and sort it out. You've got to actually gently move through all those, feeling those energies, those frustrations and impatiences, and just wait till they've settled. You know, just be with that. I want to get through this. Why am I like this? You know, feel, get in touch with that. Get in touch with that. I've got this problem. It's been bugging me for years. I want to get through it. Get in touch with that feeling first. Frustration, impatience, and oh yeah, until that has softened, and you're no longer so impatient with yourself, and then you can then you can get closer and closer. It's rather like that. So it's, a, it's quite a soft and graduated process. Sometimes people ask, "How do you keep going over the, over the years? All this, uh, you know, meeting tough stuff, meeting edges and challenges and all that. I mean, how do you keep going? How do you keep um, active? How do you keep a, that the sense of vigor with it, vitality, vitality with it?" I think there's something that we're also born with called the jivatindriya, the life force. And it often expresses itself as sexuality, as a sexual influence, sexual energy, which is pretty fundamental to human beings. And we really haven't sort of talked about this very much at all in the retreat. It can be a large topic. Um, but there is this life force, and it fundamentally has an erotic quality into it, a sense of what the erotic does. It's a kind of uh, a flooding and a merging, and a, uh, it's generally a joyful, pleasant quality to it. Yeah. Uh, and so, notably, of course, you know, the monks and nuns live what's called the brahmacharya, or the celibate life, or re- life of restraining that or checking that particular checking in with that particular impulse and some make it and some don't (laughs) you know and it's not necessarily what you might call sexual desire but it's the the quality of aliveness of connectedness that the eros provides eros really 
brings you into a direct uh, touch, direct touch with things. It's not. It's nothing abstract about it. <laughs> nothing idealistic about it. It's really like a, a really feeling, the suchness of experience. And that's its quality. You know? So, what can you know? Certainly for myself. You know, uh, how does that transfer? And why did the Buddha ask us or recommend we we uh, are celibate? Obviously, there could be certain recommendations about simplicity and uh, uh, kind of it's emotionally emotionally more tranquil. If you if you if you if it works, that is, it can be emotionally very very frustrating if it doesn't work. But if you've actually completed it, there's a sense of tranquility because you're not chasing, you're not being chased, you're not trying to make it. You know, hey. <laughs> <laughs> look at me. Or, and all the things you can go through in that in that in that, uh, in that experience, you know, let alone all the terrible things that can go wrong, the abuse and the rape and the and the um, all those kinds of dis- you know terrible ways in which that, that that energy can be misused. So there's always that sense of looking at it. But I think also the, on a on a more you know gnostic level, there's a sense of how. This, this powerful energy that we all have is actually keeping the whole species going. Isn't it? Wow, imagine we were all celibate. Well, <laughs> you know, the story's over in 50 years, isn't it? <laughs> so, this isn't going to happen, so I don't worry about it. <laughs> but this very fundamental energy that human beings have, and, and it's a to me, the real interesting thing is the transmutation of that. And to me, this is the transmutation that is what gives me the sense both of the Brahma Vihara, the Brahmacharya, easily translates into the Brahma Vihara. Because if I can't connect to people on that physical level, in the physical sense of intimacy and touching, which is innately pleasurable, and it's more than pleasurable, it's something that really places you for that moment, you know, really with another person for that for that moment. You know, there's a sense of really, you know, very open, very vulnerable, very trusting at that moment. If I can't do that physically, then you're going to do it through another channel. So it's kind of like the real metta, karuna, mudita, upeka, those qualities, actually touching through that. And it may sound kind of theoretical, you know, but the listening, the being with and with oneself are really at a tissue level like the being being beloved being, you know bringing that energy towards oneself and as you get towards yourself being able to hold other people in, in that or one or two you know and so, so it's quite a challenge to, to cultivate that but it's very satisfying because you can do that most of the day to many people which in my <laughs> most vigorous I could never manage never dreamt of managing <laughs> you know just the idea of it is just exhausting <laughs> 
But, you know, metta karuna mudita rupeka, you can do that to a lot of people. People don't really like that much. <laughs> but you've got to, really. To, to, otherwise, if you don't, then there's going to be some sort of negative stuff happening in your mind. So you've always got to keep it going for your own live life to keep your energy flowing. I refuse to go into to negativity. I refuse to go into defense. I do not wish to go into blaming, I do not wish to go into justification, all these kind of, you know, and I need juice for that, (laughs) I need a lot of juice for that. And the other aspect of of that channeling to me is the the sacred, you know, puja, uh, the images, you know, and the chanting and the flowers and it's, it's actually a very tender thing and in, in that time we are almost like this beautiful very f- kind of feminine quality to it just opening oneself to that uh, being touched by, by the blessed so in both these sides you know the more you might say the more outward the more what's conventionally called the masculine and the feminine and you can feel these happening I think it's really interesting because, you know, there's, people say, or those people who, you know, study very early, you know, almost pre-birth experience, say that, in, you know, and originally we are all bisexual, you know, we've got, and then, you know, people tend to either stay that way, bisexual, kind of, you know, they don't choose, but they, they kind of form in particular ways. So we start out that way. Well, that's kind of really, I think that's really interesting um, to see that, that potential for what I can feel in terms of, you know, the warmth, the affection, the compassion, the interest, you know, towards the male and towards the female and how I can feel, allow myself to feel touched by that, you know, receiving it and also giving it back. So to me, this is kind of, <laughs> this is Buddhist eroticism. <laughs> I don't think it's going to sell big, really. <laughs> but, you know, but just out of interest, sake. That's, that's kind of what keeps me going. Uh, keeps me going. How lovely things are, how innately... Not, not lovely in a kind of sentimental way or even lovely, even a pleasant way, but how... Just the, the joyfulness of things being the way they are, and people being the way, something special that I want to touch and feel and be with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then it, that really trying to, you know, I think it's very important to to live your dharma practice and that sense of of the joyful and the fun and the pleasant. You know, the, the you know in this in this way, you know, how do we also? It's not too, you know, it's, this is too important a practice to just be serious about it. You know, we have to also have that quality of how do we get that sense of mutual enjoyment in Dhamma? How do we, you know, the occasions when we can meet together and be with each other in that, in that way. And then it also is a tremendous resource. These, all these things will help to integrate <clears throat> your boundaries, your intentions, what you connect with, 
uh, what you decide you know you, you can't connect with or what you've got intention to connect with as in due course of time how you can manage, make that happen how you look after yourself how you get the primary resources and how you, you keep the sense of the, the fun and the love and the joy and, the, and that quality alive and working for you and uh, you know so in a way as we come towards the birth into this um, crazy old world as if we which we may barely have left you know just to kind of keep remember these potentials and how you how you like you're looking after a, a newborn how you realize they have these potentials they need some care and attention but they can do it you can do it and it's it's also it's the only thing you can do the rest of it is just reaction it's not doing it's just like being a ping pong ball you know bouncing around you're not really doing anything just just like a dead fish in a washing machine you're just going <laughs> you know it's going round and round, but it ain't. It died years ago. <laughs> so I'll leave this these reflections for your consideration and. Uh, few minutes break and In every kind of birth, may I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. 
unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble Lord. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. Dipanno Bhagavato Sāvaka Sāngho Sāngha Namāmi